Good morning. Hey, we are doing something different today. We're going to talk about what communion means to God. So would you turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I had one of those weeks where I went, you know, working on the sermon all week. And on Friday, I go to my office and have devotions and read one scripture that jumped off the page. And God said, you're doing a different sermon. So here's what it says. Going straight to the word. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul the Apostle is instructing the Corinthian church how to have communion. So he says, for I received from the Lord. So already it's heavy. He's saying, I got this directly from God. That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Guys, if I'm being betrayed by Judas, and the rest of my boys are going to turn me in and run, I'm trying to protect my heart. I'm not thinking, hey, let's have communion. So he's, he's you know, how it says he loved them, loved them to the end. So, and when he had given thanks, now you're going to see this is just like the feeding of the 5,000. He received the bread. He gives thanks. He breaks it. He distributes it. He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he goes, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. That's important because there's, this is the third cup of the Passover meal. It's the third one that they really didn't know what it was for. They, it was called the cup of salvation. Very specific, the third cup after dinner saying, this, is, this cup is the, the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul tacks on, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. That signifies there's a three tenses here, past, present, future tense of having communion. Past, my sin has been dealt with. I will never face God in judgment for my sins. I will face them in judgment for what I did with my salvation, but not for my sins. It's been paid in full. There's a present tense of communion where I need to make sure I'm up to date with Jesus Christ. He's up to date with me. I want to make sure I'm up to date with him, but he's pointing here to the future tense of communion. There's going to come a time when we're having this with Jesus in heaven. All right, so let's start. I'm going to, we're going to come back to that. But what God has put on my heart for this communion is three areas that he wants to look at us. Now, uh, look at this name, Hanani, Hanani, the prophet. Now, you think this guy's Hawaiian. No, he's Jewish. So Hanani the prophet said to King Asa, who, by the way, was a really good king for most of, the part, most of his life. And he said this, my, one of my favorite verses. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. It doesn't say that he might strongly condemn or strongly yell or strongly find fault. He said, I want to encourage you. Some of you guys had the best week of your life. And you're hearing God's looking, he's searching hearts and goes, wow, let me strongly encourage you. Others had one of the worst weeks in the history of mankind. 
And you're coming here and you're going, I don't know if God's got anything for me today. Do you understand he is searching right now to strongly support you? Now, Jesus said something also about searching, God's searching for you. So he said, true worshipers, we just covered this recently on a Sunday morning, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, look at this. For the Father is seeking, he's again, here's God searching. He's seeking such to worship him. So if, if I'm praying in, you know, the old King James, and he, God's saying, would you get real? Would you tell me what you're going through? Tell me your victories. Tell me your defeats. Tell me how I can help you this week. But be real. That's what he's looking for. So this morning, we just worship God. And I love how lately Titus has been really emphasizing the same God that Moses served is the one that we, we serve, the same one who equipped Moses to, do, to fulfill his ministry will also equip us. I just love that. So here he is. He's, he's searching. What are, their need, what are their needs? Why are they here? So he, he's actually going, what does communion mean to me as his child? I say that because in the New Testament, for some people, they heard Jesus speak, and it says they treated his words lightly like a joke, like, oh, oh yeah, 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 you talk to God, good. You're a bum, go get a job. You know, they treated him. Others came with such condemnation. And you no, 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 how are you doing today? What are you experiencing in communion? Because for some people, they live for this, man. This is such a reminder that, wow, I'm, I'm right with the God of the universe. I, I'm right, and he loves me. I'm receiving his love. I'm reciprocating his love. And someday I'll do this with him in heaven. And so God is looking. What does communion mean to, to me as his kid? Well, is it the past, present, and future tense of communion? But let's flip this. Instead of God looking at what's on my heart, I want to search him. What's on God's heart this morning? You know, as he looks down on us, this morning, he looks in the gym. He knows who's here. What does he see as we take communion? Now, communion, in a sense, is like an anniversary of Christ's death. And, and what does that mean? I need to read something from a good friend of mine, Greg Laurie. Greg and Kathy, well, Greg's the pastor of uh, Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside. This is something he wrote seven years ago on the anniversary of the, the seventh anniversary of the death of his son. On July 24, 2008, Christopher Laurie, that's the firstborn, the son of Pastor Greg and Kathy, died in a car accident. Next Sunday marks 14 years since that day. It's kind of an anniversary of sorts. It's a painful reminder of what happened that day. So Greg wrote this now seven years ago. These, quote, anniversaries are never easy. I remember that day so vividly, July 24th, 2008. It was a happy day. The sun was out. It was warm. I was babysitting my, my granddaughter, Stella. My wife, Kathy, was teaching a Bible study to Stella's mom, Brittany, who's married to his son. Brittany's husband was Christopher. He was driving to work 
at his job at our church in Riverside where he was the art director. It was almost past 10. Usually Topher, that's his nickname, Chris Topher, he would let his wife know that he was there safely, but there's no message. So Brittany called him, didn't answer. She texted, no answer. Brittany, the wife, told me, meaning Greg. And I called, I texted. No answer. My last text was, where are you? You can't text from heaven. His son had been in heaven for an hour, didn't even know it. There was no response because our firstborn, Christopher David Laurie, had left this world for the next one at 9.01 a.m. When I heard the news, it was as though time stopped. I could not believe it was actually happening to us, but it was. And there's still such sadness, such pain. It was a tragic day. But for Christopher, as he left this world for the next one, it was a happy day. There in heaven, he was welcomed by the Lord. <laughs> one day, we'll see him again. And once again, it'll be a happy day. So, he ends today. The anniversary of his death is a tragic day. But it is, in other ways, a happy day. And one day, it will be the happiest day of all when we see each other and Jesus face to face. Regardless of what we think communion is for God, it's kind of that anniversary of the death of his son. It's a reminder what he went through in order to provide communion. And that's why, I asked, so what does it mean to us? What does it mean to me in, in retrospect? Now, here's what God's put on my heart for communion today. I believe he wants to share about faith, unity, and love. Because when God, when he wants us to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can read it's always in these three atmospheres, faith, unity, and love. So for faith, we go back to King Asa. King Asa, 2 Chronicles, chapter 14. He was a great king. His dad was a lousy dad. His mom, he had to remove his mom from her throne crazy upbringing, but he's great. And it says for the first 10 years of his kingdom, there was peace. God gave him peace. How? You know, and so he doesn't even know what war is until one day, one million Ethiopians show up at his front door wanting to kill him. I'm sorry, usually you start with a small trial and, you know, develop some spiritual muscles and bigger and bigger. He start, his first trial is a million people coming to take his head off. So we read that he just prayed. God, God, you know what? Let me read this to you. It's so good. So Second Chronicles. His prayer. Asa cried out to the Lord. This is chapter 14, uh, verse 10, 10 or 11. Asa cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or just a few, but, but they, a few who have no power, kind of like me right now, Lord. I have no power. No power to help, oh, oh, oh Lord our God, for, for we rest on you. 
In your name, we go against this multitude. Oh, Lord, you're our God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians, and he had great success. So his first test was pretty good. Pretty good. 25 years later, 25 years later, he's got another test. So for 25 years after that, peace in the land. He's been a great king, caused revival, sets the stage for, for God's blessing. 25 years later, another army attacks, but it's a, a much smaller army. The first one was a million Ethiopians coming through Egypt and up through the south. Now it's the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember they split the southern kingdom of Israel was Judah. That's where he is. The northern kingdom is coming down against them. So the big question is, uh, so will he trust God like he did when he was younger? Because you got to put this together. For 25 years, he shared the testimony. Yeah, man, I had a trial of faith, and I trusted God, and he delivered us. Wow, that's an awesome. You know what? Those testimonies kind of grow over. It's kind of like catching the fish. You know, each time you tell the story, it's bigger. 25 years of talking of what God did 25 years ago. Okay, so now you have another test. Are you going to have the same kind of faith? I mean, that's your track record, right? But he didn't. Instead of trusting God to take care of this much smaller army, what he did was go into the house of the Lord and take the treasuries of the Lord and give them to the Syrians, some of their worst enemies, to help him out. And so, okay, it, it worked. They went away. The northern tribe went away, the northern kingdom. But he failed miserably because he didn't have the same faith he once had as a younger guy. He didn't trust. You don't hear this great prayer, oh, God, don't let man prevail against you. He's instead of going, okay, what can we do on this horizontal level? Because uh, I'm not sure I'm where I'm supposed to be in the vertical. I'm not sure I'm where... I need to be, and so let's work something out this way. He failed miserably, and that is when the prophet came to him and said, you know, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the land, that he might strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Meaning, 25 years ago, you did this differently, king. You trusted God, and God saw that, and he came through for you. This time, you didn't. So the verse goes on. Most people just quote this much. The verse goes on, in this you've done foolishly. I don't think the king liked hearing that. In this you've done foolishly. From there, therefore, from now on, you're going to have wars. You tried to avoid a war for the rest of your life. You're going to have wars. Well, the king didn't like that. The king didn't like hearing you're wrong. You're in the wrong. You need to repent. So, you know, whatever happened to that proverb, faithful are the wounds of a friend? Someone loves you enough to say, you know what? You're blowing it. So instead of receiving from the prophet, the king puts the prophet in prison. And his life ends kind of weird. He had been so good for so many years. So now I need to ask myself, you can ask yourself, am I operating in faith? I mean it. I was talking to Bob Prasser, Pastor Bob, about this this past week. He said he shared this uh, verse at his Ohana study. 
We know the verse from Ephesians chapter 6. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Anybody wrestle? Do you ever wrestle in high school? It's hard. It's hard. It's, we're not talking like the, what is it, the WW whatever, the phony baloney where they throw broken chairs at each We're not talking that. We're talking one-on-one, -on -one, constant conflict. And if you don't, if you don't fight good, you're going to get pinned. Because it'd be easier to wrestle against flesh and blood. But we look at this list against principalities. What is that? That doesn't sound very healthy. Against powers. I don't like this one at all. The rulers of darkness in this age. How creepy does that sound? You're up against these guys. Forget the million Ethiopians. You're up against powers of darkness? And then he, he ends with... Um, spiritual host of wickedness. I'm sorry. I don't like that. And then on to top of it off, Jesus goes, oh, by the way, did I tell you I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves? You're, you have no way. of You don't go, hey, Wolfie, come on over. You want some of this? It's nothing like that. There's no way a, a, a lamb or a sheep can fight a wolf. So are we like... Like King, Hesa, King a a Asa. Are, are we going to revert back to that faith that we had when, in our younger years where, okay, I'm overcoming this stuff. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I want to be victorious. I, I'm eliminating the, the temptation, so I'm going to stand in victory. Or do we go, you know what? No. No. How about another one? You're going, yeah, I'm doing okay in spiritual warfare. Really? Because it's been intense for a lot of people lately. Intense. Satan wants to bring you down. You go, well, no, I, I've been doing okay. with. Uh, what about operating your spiritual gift? <laughs> another, another devotion this week. Ah. Stir up the gift of God that was within you. He didn't say, let someone stir it up for you. He puts the responsibility on me, the believer, on you, the believer. You know what gift you have. Stir it up. Do it unto the Lord. So he wants us to operate in faith. He's searching also for unity. Second thing. Oh, so unity. Are you a with person? And I ask that, are you, you know, I, I, some Christians have just their own agenda, but some get it. They're, they're with people. That's what he's talking about. I'm, I'm looking for with people. I, I look to Psalm 133 for this. It's very famous, but it's also picturesque. In Psalm 133, verse 1 and 2, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, notice, to dwell together in unity with. They're with each other. Then he uses this illustration that's crazy. It's like the precious oil upon the head Running down the beard of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest, the first high priest. He was older than Moses, and Moses is anointing him as the first high priest. It's running down the edge of his garments. And they're saying, that is a perfect uh, picture of this, this idea of unity. How? Okay, when someone's anointed back then, they didn't do the brill cream anointing. If you're old enough to know, a little dabble, do ya? Do you remember that commercial? Or am I just... Real cream. It was stuff the guys they put in their hair. Oh, come on. Am I the only one that old? It's a little dapple, do you? My dad used real cream every day of his life. It was just fixed. 
He could go through a hurricane and not one hair would move because Brill Cream, just a little dab. They didn't do it that way. They took out a flask of oil and poured it. And you could just see it dripping from his beard, going all the way down his robe and dripping off the edge of his robe. And you're going, that's a picture. You know why? Because Aaron knew he was anointed high priest. He could look back on that the rest of his life and go, God did something that day. I know him. So what's, how does that apply to us? He wants us to know when we have unity. He wants us to experience unity. All right? So here's two things you can do for unity. The first, Jesus said, if you're presenting a, a gift at the altar, how about this? If you're taking communion and you know somebody's got something against you, this is back in the Sermon on the Mount, stop. This is how it really gets. You want spirit and truth? It's not like, hey, if you got issues with somebody, that's not it at all. If you know someone who's got issues with you, leave it at the altar. Go get reconciled first. Now you got a, you got a dilemma. Are you going to operate in unity? Are you going to obey? And he says, now, once you do the reconciliation, get back here. Let's do it. So there's the first way to pr promote unity. And the second way is trace your churnings. This is from a sermon I heard probably 40 years ago by Pastor Chuck Swindoll. He was in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And he kept saying, trace your churnings. And in 1 Thessalonians chapters 2 and 3, he's talking about we knew something was up. We, it was just messing with us. Something's going, they're going through something, and he was not able to go. He said, I even tried to go, and Satan prevented it. I don't know what that means. I just know when Satan's trying to mess with relationships. He goes, hey, when we couldn't handle it anymore, this is chapter 3, verse 1, when we couldn't handle it anymore, we sent Timothy because we wanted to know how you're doing. My wife has this wonderful, uh, in the women's ministry, they have this Hearts to Pray, where once a month you get a letter, if you're part of this, and so a devotion, and then you have like two or three names at the bottom that you're supposed to pray with, pray for. And she encouraged, hey, send them a text, give them a call, write a note and mail it. Trace your churnings. There's no way you're trying to tell me that you've never been aware of someone going through it to where God says, you're in prayer, you're driving, and someone's face flashes, and do you trace that churning, that Holy Spirit churning? Your brother, your sister is going through it. Give them a call. And the first, what do I say? You know what? Give them a call. How about, how's it going? Um, I did this right one time. I was uh, at the office. This was years ago. Uh, Bob, I hope you remember this. Bob was 
still an assistant chief at Honolulu, and, and it was bugging me. Call Bob, call Bob, call. And I thought, why? He doesn't owe me money. You know, that's usually. Call Bob. So I, I, it was like that chapter 3, verse 1. I couldn't take it anymore. And I called him, and he goes, how did you get this? How did you? I, I can't be reached at this location. How did you know? I said, you know what? God just put, my, put you on my heart. And, and he started sharing what he's going through. And, you know, it's one of those things when you don't follow through, and then you hear that they were going through, you just feel like an idiot. Maybe it's just me. But when you do follow through, oh, man, I heard from the Holy Spirit. I heard from the Holy Spirit. So trace, trace your churning. So he's wanting us to operate in faith, in unity, in love. Did you ever notice that the two greatest commandments both center around love? Love God, love one another. You want to sum them up? Love. And so for this, when we look to Peter, we're towards the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus reappears, and, and three times he asks, hey, Peter, you love me? It's more specific than that. Do you love me more than these? Well, what about the first time? What if it's for all the fish he just, he just caught 153 large fish. You're a fisherman. You can gut those. You can take them to the fish market. You'll make a killing. So it represents financial success. Hey, Peter, you just got it all. I gave it to you. Do you love me more than that? Or could you walk away from that and follow me? How many people would say, you know, Lord, I really like a bank account. I'm sorry. Do you love me more than financial success? How about maybe the second one is, do you love me more than the other apostles love me, the other disciples? Because at the Last Supper in John 13, Jesus knows what's going on. He just told Judas, whatever you do, you can go, go do it now. And they're all arguing who's the greatest. Guess who's at the head of the list? Peter. And so here, maybe you say, do you love me more than the other apostles? Because it sure sounds like you do. Don't you think Jesus ever took Peter aside and, hey, bro, you become so critical of your brothers. You're no longer with. You're against. You think you pray better? You fell asleep in the garden. You think you do more Bible studies? You quit quoting scriptures. What is it, Peter? Do you think you love me more? No, how about the third one? Just fill in the blank. Do you love me more than Amazon.com? Do you see the, the longest day of the week was last, or the longest day of the year? Lasted 48 hours. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Two days in a row. All the big deals. And you go, you know what, Lord? I, I've been getting distracted. And I've you got a lot of competition down here. I've allowed idols to take the throne where only you should be in my heart. And do you know what an idol literally means? Nothing. When it says, 
keep yourself from idols, it's, it literally means keep yourself from nothings. Because no matter how much emphasis we might put on the toys, they're nothing in comparison to our love for Jesus Christ. So, let's go back to our communion. All right? I'm going to quote it again. For I received from the Lord, remember this is directly from God, that which I also delivered to you. I'm faithful to pass this on. I didn't write this. I'm not going to rewrite it. the Lord Jesus on the night, the same night, he was betrayed. Took the bread. When he gave thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body. I don't think it was with a weird tone. I don't think there's any evil intent. He's, it's an invite. Hey, guys, let's get intimate. Let's be present tense. It's my body, it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup, saying, well, this is the cup in the, the, the new covenant, my blood. You know, a lot of people don't like to talk about the blood of Christ. I know the devil hates talking about it because it brings him defeat. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It goes on, and the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what set us free. This is what cleanses us. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, break the bread, drink, drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Truthfully, when we take communion, do you think of your sin? Do you think of how much you failed him this week? It's kind of a natural inclination. Do you think, man, who am I? What am I doing? Oh, these people look so spiritual. And by the way, you look really spiritual. We were cleaning, doing yard work yesterday. I know it's thrilling. And we had to cut back these bushes because on top they looked really good, really healthy. And Karen, looked, she pulled it back and goes, look at all the white flies and all the junk, whatever it was, underneath. And sometimes that's how we are, that I can be. You can look great on the outside, but man, you look inside, you go, oh, you need a cleansing. So I ask you, when, when you take communion, what do you think of? Paul goes, hey, look inside, not to look at your sin. He goes, look inside to see if Christ is there. I'm not looking at failure. Man, that's not hard to find. I'm looking to make sure Jesus Christ is there sitting on the throne that was created for him. So this is what we want to do. Look at the symbolism and the significance of the communion. Number one, Jesus said, this is my body. He took out a piece of unleavened bread and it's as if he's saying, guys, you've done this for thousands of years. This goes back to Moses, the Passover meal. It was told to you over these years how to do this in what order. And you don't know what this bread stands for, this piece. 
you know what this means? Do you know the significance? Do you know the symbol, the, the, how, the symbolic of? Uh, this is my body. Now, some Catholics think, oh, the doctrine of transubstantiation, that the, the bread literally becomes the body of Christ. That's called cannibalism. The cup literally becomes his blood. That's cannibalism. But Jesus said this might be, you know what? He also said, I'm the door. Doesn't make him part of a wall. He said, I'm the bread of life. It doesn't make him a loaf of bread. Symbolism. He goes, do you know what this means? This is my body broken for you. Then he goes into this is my blood. He's not saying, remember, it was the third cup. So he's looking around. You guys have done this for thousands. You don't know what this means, do you? No, we just kind of go through it. This is my blood. And as you partake of this, you're partaking of the salvation that Jesus Christ provides for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, am I, am today, we're going to take, am I thinking of my past? I love the old saying. I've seen it many times lately. Next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. My past is buried, man. I think... Probably there's more present tense where in order for me to do this right, I have to say, Lord, I want to be up to date with you. You know that um, Psalm 139 at the end is a prayer. Search me, O God. Know my wickedness. See if there's any wicked thing in me. And lead me in the way everlasting, meaning I can't do it. I'm a magnet, temptation steel, it just keeps coming. And would you lead me? Would you search me? Because I cheat, I, 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 I kid myself. And so search me, oh God. I want the present tense reality today. And I am standing on the promise in the future. We're going to have this with Christ. So at the Last Supper, again. We're going to take communion right after this. Jesus did the same four steps that he did when feeding the 5,000. Remember, he received the loaves and fish. He will receive you. Then he lifted it up and blessed. And for the most part, we're going, I like this so far. Jesus receives me and he blesses me. Some people say, could we put a period on it right there? Oh, no, 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 no. Then he breaks. I don't like this part. Breaks me of pride, self-sufficiency, arrogance. You know, just name it. And then he distributes the bread. He said, you're not here so I can just bless you and that's it. I want to bless you to the point I send you out and you bless others. So when we're taking communion today, are you operating in faith? Could you use a stirring up? Are you a with person in unity? Are you a love person?